This episode of A Gentleman's Cough Law Podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Shaving and Audible.com. You are listening to The Gentleman's Cough Law Podcast. Listener beware. Rise and shine, the liquor store is open. I ain't got time for moping. I best be on my way. Well, I still got time to save my reputation. Time to go day drinking in this dirty little town. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Gentleman's Scofflaw Podcast, your podcast for the rebel and the renaissance man. I'm your host, Jordan Crowder, and with me from the Great White North is John G. Goodman, and in person is Donovan Fowler. How are you guys doing? Hey, how are you? Heidi ho You good? You guys have a good week? Yeah. Yeah. Let's that, was, that was a great intro. It only <laughs> took 12 takes. <laughs> Before we get into uh, this week, uh, let's start off a little bit of housekeeping. I am drinking some Evan Williams. Um, which, you know, this is the cheap man's uh, whiskey, but I enjoy it. So who are you to judge? Does the trick. That's what I say. What, what do you got there, Donald? Same thing. I got the same thing and I got a, uh, a wow, that was a, a Red Bull exploding in my face. That's, is that a good thing to do to combine caffeine and alcohol? Didn't people die from them? Uh, well, we'll find out. <laughs> we shall find out, my, my friend. All right. If you're listening to this podcast and you hear a thud, Call 911. And John, what do you got there? What are you drinking? I've got a nice mixed drink. I have a cranberry juice and Perrier. Huh? Living nice. on the wild side. Living on the wild side. And I am smoking my design Berlin pipe, which is a black Dublin sandblasted pipe. And in it, I've got uh, sp- the special blend from Ed's Tinderbox. And it was actually... Uh, a blend blended for an actor way back when is it Whitmore John Whitmore is that an actor Whitmore John yeah. Whitmore I I have not heard of that James no. James James Whitmore James Whitmore yeah it was a custom blend for him and they sell huh. it at the shop interesting later up on the show we have um Johan Kalilian coming on a good friend and a motivational speaker and he's got a book coming out so we're going to talk with him about that that should be fun Kalilian 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 it's a fun word to say. It is a fun it name sounds, to say. It kind of sounds, it kind of tickles your tongue it's a little like bit. like Kalilian Murphy. Kalilian. <laughs> we are not having Kalilian Murphy on, by the way. <laughs> so how were your guys' this weeks? John, what, what's up with you? Eh, nothing. You do realize people are listening to this. <laughs> I do have a they want to know pick what's with, going uh, on in Canada. Americans down there. So what? we have what we love, lovingly call Timbits. Little round balls of donut bread, and down yes. there you guys call them donut holes. Is that right? Naturally, yes. Do you guys really them. think that a donut comes as a full, solid, round hamburger type shaped <laughs> bun, and then you poke a hole in it, and those are your donut holes? I, I mean, I, I guess I just never really thought. I always of it. figured it was a big part of the workforce was was cutting those out. I thought like you cut them out and there was the excess and they rolled the dough into a hole and a, a circle and then you know cooked it like it. I don't know, baked it. What do they do with donuts? I don't know, they but fry? that makes you a special kind of. Isn't it the elves? Isn't it the Keebler elves who do it? <laughs> like in a tree. Well, Isn't that the deal? for people that don't know, Tim bits. We talked about Tim Hortons once on the show. Tim Hortons is like their donut shop. In uh, in Canada, like and that's what they call Timbits. They don't, but they don't. They don't say what they are like on a menu. They don't call them Timbits, and they say like donut holes or anything. No, it's Timbits or 
what's the French term for Timbit? Timbit. I don't know. <laughs> That's not a direct translation. A I don't know. I don't know. Listen, I I, I, I think most, well, I, I, I certainly, when I was a child, I used to think it was like, you know, maybe they plucked the hole out of the donut. But um, now that I'm now that I'm a college educated man, I uh, I deduce that it's uh, it's a separate process. I think. Well, I think, but I I just I guess I assumed that it was like excess dough when building the donut and that they used probably. to make the holes. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's like a it's. But then you, you know, could just take dough and make holes out of it. Yeah, it's just right? a cute <laughs> cute name. What yeah. do you got against cute names, John? Everything. We like to get creative. We like to we <laughs> we like to call. Uh, our our foods down here something uh something cute and something, fun something uh, so you don't have to think about getting fat while you're eating it so uh earlier this week i guess uh there was you know some controversy over an unfinished tweet that was sent out by donald trump oh. and uh he has created a new word oh, no. which is now being uh used what? in all all different corners of the internet what word um, is this Kafif. Kafif. What was the tweet? Because I actually missed this. I didn't I didn't see this. Well, it was like midnight, you know, as Trump is known to do, he he tweets like late at night, right? <laughs> so because he doesn't he doesn't sleep all that much. <laughs> the witching hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. No, but yeah, I mean the guy like doesn't like he sleeps like four hours or something like that, like three to four hours a night. Um. Um, but, uh, but he, he, all of his media use, I guess is at night. So he, he, he tweeted out this, uh, this tweet that was, that started out as despite the negative press, Kafif. Can you spell that? How do you spell Kafif? C-O-V-F-E-F-E. Kafif. What word could he have been planning to go with after that? I think he was trying to write, uh, coverage. Coverage. I I think we got to define this word ourselves. Kafif. Kafif. Oh man. Yeah. So oh, man. So I, yeah, I mean Kafif, it's, it's like a <laughs> What I what I want to know is what happened. <laughs> like did he drop his phone in a fountain? Or like why why would why were we deprived of the rest of that? Maybe he fell asleep in the middle of it yeah. in some house it's maybe. That's that's insane. It's it's crazy to think that I mean without get, getting into politics, but it's crazy to think that we have a president that can tweet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially at his age. Well, it's like <laughs> I mean, the guy's like seventy-six. Like you, tweet. you wouldn't you wouldn't expect like somebody like that, you know, to 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 embrace a a, a new technology, <laughs> a new technology. Yeah. Well, like it's like so. Like I remember, what, like with the last president, everything was, that was tweeted, you know, was from his team, you right. know, from his staff. It was right. very like controlled. But the fact that a president has a complete like direct line, <laughs> direct line to the people, <laughs> to the people. <laughs> and can tweet it out at any time. Well, it's just, it's, and, it's insane to think it's, about. It's kind of a question of like, is it a, is it a blessing or a curse? <laughs> like, are we meant to have this much contact with the president? <laughs> but you know, to be honest, I, I, I think it's, I, I, I think it's fine. I mean, like to me, I would rather have, you know, to get nonpartisan about it, like regardless of the president, I'd rather have a president who wasn't having, like who was actually saying, you know, we, we knew what he was saying (laughs) instead of having somebody who, you know, teams of lawyers are looking over yeah. it and everybody's and then it gets masked in like this cryptic thing whereas like everybody kind of knows where Trump stands yeah, on yeah. things because he 
you know, love him or hate him, you know, you know what he's saying what, because what would, nobody's filtering. What him. I would say is that it's 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 kind of cool that that can happen. It's kind of sucks that it's Donald Trump. <laughs> I guess. I mean, because <laughs> like anybody else, it would be like, oh, it's cool. Hell, you're getting. But like with him, it's just the no. only time he ever tweets is like in response to something. <laughs> I guess. I don't know, man. I mean, that's why, like, one of the reasons I stayed away from Twitter is because I know, I know <laughs> that people weren't meant to have this much. Well, this, it's not. I mean, free speech is a wonderful thing, but when you're, when you're putting it on the internet, it gets, uh, it's not you know, boring. No, no it's one never is safe. boring. It's never a boring <laughs> yeah. day. Like I would love, honestly though, I think it would be really funny if you did like a um, like a parody of different presidents, like tweeting out what they really thought about things, and like <laughs> it would completely change the image. I mean, yeah. you know, if, if I, I think if you had, you know, if you had a lot of presidents actually without filters, you know, not all the presidents, well, but I, I think you know. sometimes though, when you read about like the old. Um, like the campaigns, like the, like between, you know, prominent people yeah, that ran yeah. against each other. And you read about some of the stuff they said about each other in the papers and stuff. It was just as bad. Oh like, yeah. John I think Adams if, called, uh, Thomas Jefferson a hermaphrodite <laughs> and Thomas Je- in the paper. That seems like something Trump would tweet though about another and, opponent. Uh, <laughs> well, he called it, what he called Ben, ben Carson a child <laughs> rapist or something what? like that. He said, well, I'm sorry. I should quote him if I'm going to say that, but he did at one point say that he was pathological and said he was like a child molester. <laughs> wow. And uh yeah, I mean, you know, it's just it's just that's yeah. Trump. <laughs> not boring. Trump. Donald Trump. Not boring. Not boring at all. At all. At all. <laughs> um yeah, yeah. well, you know, speaking of Trump though, I mean Justin Trudeau, the <laughs> prime minister of our friend from Good the Great White North. JT. He says some pretty weird, dumb stuff. Yeah, but everybody just gobbles it up. Like if like well, like so do I, think, here. I think my favorite I think I, I think my favorite um my favorite of his of his things is uh if you kill your enemies they win <laughs> and it's sort of like I mean you know I I I see maybe the like the tiny bit of sense that that really? probably came from <laughs> no I'm sure what he was trying to say was you're Turn gonna make other a martyr cheek. out of somebody. If yeah. you if you if you go ahead and, and strike first or something, I I don't know I I'm not you know that's a stretch I, I, I there Dono but still but still <laughs> that's the only that's the only sense I can make of it no. but honestly it's yeah it's a I mean it's a dumb it's a dumb quote well, well there's a lot of funny things on the internet with um with Justin Trudeau where it's like who said it Justin Trudeau or Zoolander <laughs> and it's like a quiz you have to figure out and it's actually they get pretty hard to figure out I don't know if you've taken one of those John uh, I ha- I had to stop because I was getting depressed <laughs> <laughs> how much longer uh until you guys have a new another presidential election uh, I think it's another year and a half. Or Wait, so. it's not presidential; it's, <laughs> it's prime minister, pri- right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, what's the difference? I mean, you, yeah, who cares? <laughs> they all answer. Speaking that of which, and... let's move on to Sir Crowder's restroom review of the week. Oh dear! All right, uh, today I am going to review. Um, uh, 
Bur another Burbank uh, location, and it's the Burbank Barbershop. <laughs> Burbank is just getting Burbank is getting torn apart. It the is getting torn the apart. The restroom scene in Burbank is needs to step it up a notch. All right, the Burbank Barbershop washroom is nothing pretty to look at. Its stark white walls are reminiscent of an insane asylum. But what works against it also works for it. It's one of the cleanest restrooms I've ever seen. The sound of buzzing clippers just outside the door is an added bonus in aiding one to calmly perform the task at hand. Four stars for this quaint and calming restroom. So that was my that's my old barbershop in Burbank. I no longer go there mm. anymore. I don't not that they're bad, but my guy moved to Palm Springs, so I can't go back. Can't go back. Can't go back. Jack Reacher never go back. Listener mail. All right, this is the time on the show where we read your feedback. Um, you could interact with us on social media, or you could leave us a review on iTunes. Um, either of those ways could help uh, get you read on the show. Uh, so let's first start with an iTunes review, and it's by... Backy in the Bowl, which he won our contest last week. So we've got some loyal listeners. Backy in the Bowl. <clears throat> he says, welcome to my podcatcher, LOL. Or, or should I say LOL or should I laugh out loud? You should yeah, say lol. The kids, the kids welcome say. Welcome to my podcatcher. <laughs> lol. I'm turning into a big fan, guys. The topics that are talked about are exactly the content I want to hear. I appreciate the different personalities melding together to come up with some very funny banter. I find myself laughing often. My drive to and from work just got infinitely better. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you, Backing the Bull. Be we careful how that. much you're laughing, mm, though. You know, if you're nice. laughing often, that can be a uh, Don't you know, laugh hazardous. and drive. Yeah. Hey, wait, was he the one with the disparaging remarks about the Canadian host? No, that was another guy. That, that was, was okay. Remind me yeah, when we two weeks get ago. to him. That again. guy hated everybody. He just he <laughs> yeah. hated Canadians. He hated people okay. who love Braveheart. You know, <laughs> <laughs> all that's left is Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> and we got some feedback from Instagram. Uh, this comes from uh, Christian Levesque, which I think he is French Canadian. So I'll read it. Christian Levesque. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, right, John? Bang on. Christian Levesque. All right. Keep up the good work on the podcast. I've laughed out loud many times while walking to work and listening to you guys, and that's the best. I enjoy your podcast quite a bit. Already one of my favorites. All right. Once again, uh, check how much you're laughing right. on the street. Yeah. Don't, be... don't, don't walk and laugh. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, just, you know, keep, keep that in check. I mean, we want to be funny, but this, this is getting, you know. Dangerous. All right. The last one's from, uh, I think it's a Facebook message from Fred Monslau. Uh, I like listening to this show with the four men talking about the pipes and the beer and the shave. Uh, I will not shave dry anymore. I will drink beer. I will listen again. Oh, well, All thank right. you, Fred. Thank you, He's Fred. taking on that, that caveman, that caveman yeah. uh, structure to his sentences. Yeah. I will drink beer. I will listen again. <laughs> he might be. He might be foreign. I bet he's Swedish. He's Swedish. Should we take bets? He's probably he's a probably Pabst British. man. Mons, Monslau. <laughs> Monslau. Is that a Swedish name? You think, I John? Think, I, I think it's Dutch. 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 Oh, that would make sense. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we, we got some listeners from uh, not Deutschland because that's Germany. No, that, that would be Holland. Uh, Holland. 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 All right. Cool. Wearing their wooden Thank shoes. You, Fred. And with Thank their wooden you. wooden headphones. <laughs> wooden headphones. <laughs> Looking at windmills. Those are in style now, wooden headphones. I don't know if you've seen those. I like those wooden I glasses. Those are kind of fun. 
Yeah, I had a pair that broke. <laughs> Probably because they were made out of wood. <laughs> Probably. All right. Um, let's go take a quick break, and we'll be back with our guest, Johan Kalilian. Now, this segment is brought to you by Audible.com. And for you, the listeners of the Gentleman's Call Flop podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Um, now, they're a great website, and if you like listening to podcasts, you like listening to audiobooks. Um, and again, with this free trial, you can download any title you would like. Um, I would recommend If at Birth You Don't Succeed, written by my good friend and friend of the show, Zach Anner. Um, he's a hilarious guy, and he reads his own audiobook, which is rare. So that's a bonus. So download his book today. He's a guest of the show. You can listen to his book for free. Now, audiobooks are great. Um, They work just like, you know, listening to a podcast. If you like listening to podcasts, you like listening to audiobooks. Well, you're sitting there, you know, uh, cooking dinner. Or uh, you're, you know, at work, uh, you know, typing some emails. Or maybe you're you're stuck in L.A. traffic like I am. Or maybe you're, you know, it's the weekend and you're just uh, sitting back and uh, doing some uh, Pinterest crafts uh, that you've always wanted to do that you've had there on your board just waiting for you to to, to tackle. Uh, you might as well listen to an audiobook while doing that. And, and people don't know that you, you killed two birds with one stone. You made an amazing Pinterest craft and you listened to the book. Now, I don't know which of our listeners are making Pinterest crafts, but um, there are some pretty manly crafts you can do on Pinterest. So go to audibletrial.com slash gentscofflaw to get your free audiobook download and your free 30-day trial today. You won't regret it. All right, I'm very excited to have this guest, a friend of mine, um, I'll just bring him in. Johan Kalilian. I feel like I need to enter, though, but I'm really you just gotta sitting enter. down. You gotta yeah, open the like, door. Let's bring him in. It's have like, I'm right you, here. Yeah. I'm sitting yeah. right here, bro. Where it's are like, you bringing me in, in uh, from? Please bring Mr. Uh, <laughs> right. yeah. well, let's bring him in. <laughs> um, well, Johan, I mean, you should tell the audience exactly what it is you do. I mean, you're a motivational speaker. Right. Um, you work with inner city kids. I mean, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into doing that. Right. Should I do like the trunk? Trump intro of like, I know so many words. <laughs> I know all the things, the best of them. Motivate us. I motivate people with the words, the biggest words, the biggest words, <laughs> and the, words best the best chocolate best cake ever. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been speaking for quite some time uh, since I was, uh, what, two years old? I learned how to speak, I believe. <laughs> First couple words. No, um, I started speaking in classrooms and I don't know. Do we? Do you guys talk about God in the show? Or yeah, not? yeah. Is yeah. it like yeah, yeah. any and everything? Right. So on that weird Christian tip of when I first became a Christian, I sort of heard this supernatural pull um, to use my voice um, for good and to motivate and inspire people. So I didn't quite know what that meant at the time. I was like, am I going to be a rapper? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what does that really mean? So um, I read a book that said leaders take initiative. So I was like, okay, I know I'm supposed to speak about something. Yeah. And the, actually the first opportunity that I had was speaking in classrooms about abstinence, mm. which is obviously a great way to get started. 
<laughs> right? Talk to kids. Yeah, while they're young. Right? It's like, it's talk to kids. Audience. Right? Exactly. They're, 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 their hormones are raging. Yeah. They all want to have sex and then go in there and say, hey, it's probably a good idea not to do that. <laughs> so Abstain. that was it. Right? Um, so that was like my first topic. And I did that for four years in classrooms primarily. And then I had the opportunity to be on the Tyra Banks show. Yeah. And they found me through uh, an article that was online. Um, there's a Chicago magazine called The Red Eye. I did an interview. I ended up on the front cover. Yeah. On that cover, there was my picture. And then it said, I'm a virgin. <laughs> Very subtle Ooh. stuff. Very subtle. <laughs> yeah. You know, Basically a 40-year-old virgin yeah, poster. Yeah, exactly. Was, uh, At the time, I was 25. So it's like I had a long way to go walk, before. Walk us through what it was like to see that for the first time. Like, was, well, was it like Zoolander where it was like a model idiot? Like, you know, kind of well, thing? Here's or, the thing. Or were you expecting it? Or did you see it for the first time when you saw the cover? Well, here's the thing. So the way that it happened, I was actually in L.A. at the time. Um, I did I did the interview from here because I was doing an internship at Mosaic Church for a few months. And I didn't. So it was supposed to be just one of these articles that was in the middle of the, you know, the magazine and mm -hmm. subtle, mm -hmm. whatever. And so a day before it came out, the um, the lady was, that I was uh, uh, interviewing with, she was like, you know what, my my editor loves it so much and we might put you on the front cover, you know. So I was like, all right, well, she's like, if it happens, I'll let you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the next day I wake up to like 20 text messages <laughs> and like voicemails and everyone's like, you're on the front cover and sending me pictures. <laughs> And I was like, man, I'm all the way over here. So I don't even know, you know, what it was like over there. But yeah. obviously it was a surprise to know that that was all over the city. Yeah. And people yeah. were like, well, who's this guy that's not having sex? <laughs> who's this? Why does he look like a club owner? <laughs> so, and that's why you moved to L.A., right? Right. right exactly. I was like, I got to go, man. Everybody knows I ain't having sexy time. So I'm gone. Um, but yeah, so then the Tyra Show heard about that. They were like researching uh, people for an interview on their show. And the name of the show was Sex Trends. Okay. So. <laughs> sexy. Sexy, very sexy. And that's that's a, a totally different story in and of itself. But um, I did that first show. Then they brought me back for Tyra Plays Cupid. Okay. That was the second episode. Um, and yeah, then from I've, I've there. I've seen a clip of that, I think. Yeah. Online. Right? There's, I mean, it's all out there. And then, uh, <laughs> then I had my first conference because they were like, well, you've been on TV. We want to know like what your story is. So I did my first conference. And then there were some folks from New Mexico there. And they invited me to New Mexico, New Mexico. And that was my first time outside of Chicago speaking. And then they were like, we loved the conference. Come back and speak to our high schools. And this was in Las Cruces, New Mexico. So I did like a week-long tour at all the schools, the high schools, and actually some of the middle schools. Hmm. Um, and then from there, it just kept growing and snowballing. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. What was uh, what was Tyra like in real life? <laughs> right. Everybody always asks the question about Tyra. And uh we, so, we, we were talking. The reason I ask is because we were talking about this a couple episodes he's ago. He's a fan of America's Next Top Model. Oh, really? I can't, I can't say I'm a fan. Honestly, I haven't watched he's it watched since. watched two complete seasons. I haven't watched nice. it since. <laughs> nice. I, I, I went through a very strange period in my life about a week ago where... Uh, about a week I ago, got, I got, I got <laughs> that's very recent, my friend. I've been, you know, I've been doing like, I, 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 you know, I got a cabin in the woods and I started chopping wood and, you know, tried to regain some of my manliness <laughs> after that. Oh um, man. Yeah. Skinned a deer. Right. Um, but yeah, I got, I got access to this guy's Hulu account and, uh, I, you know, I don't know. America's next top model just 
I, it was entertaining. It was a black hole, huh? You just but, sunk uh, in there. But we were talking about we were we were trying to figure out like what what, what was it with Tyra? Because she seems like a very you know driven person and a very right. you know interesting uh, hard worker and such. She's right. kind of built an empire for herself. She definitely has. And yeah. I was looking forward to meeting her. <clears throat> At that stage in my life, I was twenty five years old. Um. And I was like, this is the first sort of like celebrity interaction that mm-hmm. I, you know, I was about to have. Mm-hmm. So I was like excited, you know, and she was going to interview me, be interacting with her. And it was literally, she would, she would interview us. And I was, um, the first time I was on, there was two other people that were on with me. Uh, and like I said, the name of the show was Sex Trends. So there was three of us that were virgins. It was me and then two women. One of them who was also a motivational speaker and the other one who they found on Craigslist. <laughs> What? <laughs> no lie. Because oh. she was like, she put that on Craigslist, like, I'm a virgin. <laughs> I just want everybody to know. Because I guess that's what just you do. You know, like, everything's on Craigslist, I man. I don't know if you want that. Right? I was that like, it was virgin. so ridiculous. Yeah. It was so ridiculous. Uh, so she would ask us questions, and then obviously they would cut, and then she would completely turn away from us. Hmm. And like, they yeah. would do her makeup, and then, you know, we'd go back to it. And then it was funny because, you know, she knew our names. But she would always get them wrong, and then we would have to do it again, and she'd keep getting our names it's like wrong. A power play. <laughs> yeah, I was just yeah, like, you know yeah. what, man, this is a trip. Uh, <laughs> but at the end of it, it was so funny because, like I said, she did not interact with us at all mm-hmm. when the cameras were off. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of my bit, she basically looked at me and she's like, you know what, I want to hook you up on a date. And I was like, are we friends? Like, is this <laughs> why are you acting like you're my friend right now? You haven't even asked any personal information. <laughs> So that's how the the second episode. Which you have out. all the top models walk right. out. And oh, she was like, oh well, actually, you know what happened? So this was something they 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 threw a couple curveballs. Um, one, the first episode, the second one came in the the my second installment, and so our bit was over, done. I sat on the side, and then um, one of the producers comes to me. He's like, oh, we're gonna do a little something extra with you and Tyra, right? Uh-oh. So I was like, oh, okay. So then they brought they brought me to this like high chair, kind of like the ones that we're sitting on right now. And then Tyra comes out and she's like introducing the segment and she's like, we're going to have a Victoria's Secret uh, lingerie show with our uh, virgin boy, <laughs> Johan, you know? Oh my and man. so like, yeah, so then she sits down <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, of course, you know? So then all these like Victoria's Secret models start coming out. And obviously, you know, it's like one of those things as a man where it's like, Hey, I would like to look. You know sure, what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, it's like I don't want to be this drooling douchebag on TV. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she had asked me during our segment, like, what do you do when you're tempted? And I was like, Well, I do like a million push-ups, you know, and I, I take cold showers, you know, every day. And so in that moment, I was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna start doing push-ups. So these girls start coming out in their lingerie, and I just start doing push-ups in the middle of <laughs> the middle of the moment. So I was like trying to distract from the whole thing. I was, I was gonna say it would have been funny if you were just sitting there with a magazine, just like flipping it. <laughs> yeah. But then when they looked at what the magazine was, it was just Victoria's Secret catalog. <laughs> I was like, like inception. Like you're distracting yourself yeah, exactly. with, <laughs> with <laughs> I was like, this is that next level deception, right? <laughs> well oh, that's man. uh yeah yeah i've heard that about you know certain um you know I, i've heard people talk about when they go on those shows you know sometimes like when the cameras stop rolling it gets really weird you yeah, know like yeah. sometimes people will literally like you'd think that maybe they just go on their phone and they just like you know ignore people but some people just look at the ground 
Like I've heard, <laughs> yeah, like, I've heard like they they just they will not. They turn off. With you. They're basically yeah. robots. Like, yeah, and just turn. Uh, it was and just yeah, exactly. Like, and then you turn it back on. Well, we're back. <laughs> well, it's like I mean, how much more? I, I I I'm not speaking from experience, but how much more effort does it take for like an hour out of your day to like interact with the audience and then just shut off when you're done? Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's. I don't know. It seems I, don't like, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think a part of it, especially when you achieve sort of that level of stardom and celebrity is you lose your connection to people. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I think a lot of people actually believe that they're better because of where they're at. Do not look at me in the eyes. Right. Right. (laughs) And and that's the thing is a big part of the celebrity world is you have to be relatable and approachable. So as long as the camera's on, a lot of them come across like that. Yeah. But when the cameras are off, I think their true self emerges, you know, and there's obviously um, a lot of people that still, I think love folks and want to connect, but it's it does tough. something to your ego. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, definitely. think, yeah. it, you know, unless you're dedicated to being grounded and humble, then yeah. your ego is going to blow up and that's going to take over. Yeah. That's, yeah. I guess it's important to have friends that always keep you grounded too. Yeah. And not yeah. like an entourage that just kind of are yes men around you. you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because that's what happens. But that's got to be a value. You know? You know? Yeah. Definitely. For sure. Definitely. Um, so you, uh, I mean, what was your experience like talking to high school kids about abstinence? I mean, that must have been must have been fun right no it's, it actually <laughs> i did it in high school too right you did you did some abstinence I, talks i did i did i um i w- it was weird because in canada the gra- like the grades are different like our middle school was 7 and 8 and then um 9 through 11 were like the high school and so i was in uh, the 11th grade teaching eighth graders and oh, we wow. had like, it was called postponing sexual involvement was oh, the name wow. of the course. That's like one off. Wait, so you system, were a kid right? teaching kids basically. Yeah. Nice. Basically. But it was like, I think that they thought would be like, Oh, if they see kind of like these, these seniors, you know, in high school, you know, talking to it's us, actually would be a good more idea. relatable. Yeah. And, and it was actually pretty fun. Like yeah. some of the questions and stuff were, as ridiculous. long as you're not going through puberty, like while you're talking to them, <laughs> yeah. your voice cracks. Today we're going to talk about, <laughs> it's like, whoa, this guy, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I have some, I mean, I'm a bit of a clown. And so I I brought that to my experiences in the classrooms. And I would always kind of mess with the kids uh, (laughs) at the forefront of the class. Um, And then obviously, you know, you've seen like kids say the darndest things, right? So we would have those types of moments in the classroom. And we would teach STDs. Like there was a day in abstinence education, obviously, yeah. like we, we want to let you know that there are sexually transmitted diseases and right. these are things that nobody yeah. wants. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so we would you have like, right, exactly. So we would have this slide presentation um, day where we would just show them all the STDs and talk about the numbers and all the stats. And it's always fun. It was always fun. It yeah. was it was great because what I would do and I'd learned from time to time is like kids, you know, you kind of set them up to see what they would say. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh-huh. like we have, for example, like we throw up the slide and it would say HPV, and then it wouldn't explain it. It just had that first slide, you yeah, know, yeah. HPV. So I throw it out to the kids. Does anybody know what HPV means? It's a TV channel where they improve houses, <laughs> <laughs> right? So this one kid, uh, she raised a, she raised her hand, and uh, she's like, "Yeah, that's like a suntan lotion." <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, baby girl, that's SPF. You know what I'm saying? That's very different. You do not want, right? Oh, oh man. man. And then, you know, so there's another day where um, hepatitis C is on the list mm-hmm. of STDs. 
So in case you guys didn't know, I'm informing y'all right now. Okay. Yeah, I'm going through the re-education. Right, right, you're like, you're going through it right now. Right, right. I'm going to so walk th- out of here and my face is just going to be ghost white after relearning about all this. Well, all I have a story for that stuff. too, but let's, let, we'll, we'll go to this one. So then hepatitis C, and then I asked the same question, like, does anybody know what this is? And uh, another girl was like, yeah, ain't that like a vitamin? <laughs> I was like, little mama, that's vitamin C. <laughs> It's very different than hepatitis C. Like, you do not want this in your orange juice. What is wrong with you? Oh, man. Uh, but the one that uses it, so it's funny because this happened about five or six times where we would go through the whole slide presentation, finish it all up, and you'd see, like, this little boy who was wrestling. You could see him internally struggling. Like, mm-hmm. it was the face white. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, do I have an STD? Yeah. <laughs> right, you can kind of see him, like. But the thing is, so I bumped into a girl the other day. <laughs> <and> drive AIDS, <laughs> right? So he, so the, you know, little boy raises his hand. I call him. He's like, "Can you get an STD through masturbating?" <laughs> and I'm like, "The thing is, you know, my man completely outed himself, and the whole class erupted. Oh, no. Like the whole, like, and this, I'm telling you, this happened five or six times. Like, there's always was always like one little boy yeah, yeah, who would like yeah, be like, yeah. man, I, I, I spanked the monkey a little bit too much. <laughs> I probably have something, you know. And so I basically let him know, little man." You don't have to worry about it. You're gonna, you're gonna be all right. <laughs> it's obvious you don't get out much. Uh, oh, you're gonna be all right. But there's so many different stories. I think there's a couple that you haven't heard. There's one. There was a little girl. <laughs> she, uh, she asked the question, "Can you, um, can you get pregnant through oral sex?" <laughs> I got that same question. She's like, "Can you get pregnant through oral sex?" So this other girl chimes in. She goes, "Mm-hmm, girl. Them called spit babies." <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you know I can't make this up. Like I, like it's just comical, comical. Oh, oh my god! My last story, the last one I'll share. I think you heard this one. Is um, this happened in eighth grade? So what I'd learned, you know, no matter what grade level you are, you have to ask questions because sometimes you think they should know things, but they don't. Right. Yeah. So I did a bit on the media, and I would ask the question, like, you know, what's what's the media? Give me a breakdown of what the media is. And and uh, once again, little kids like, uh, ain't that like a big old ball of fire? <laughs> and so I was confused. You know what I mean? Like I, right. I was, I was, I was like, what the hell? How did he go from like just to a MSNBC big old ball? Right? The, I was like, yeah. what is going on right here? And then this other little boy chimes in. He's like, no, stupid, that's a meteor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yes. So I was oh, like, man. all right, well, we went from media to media real quick. I'm glad I asked the question because uh, my man thought we were going to talk about meteors right now in abstinence class. Yeah, like the big Gosh. old ball of fire is another disease we're going to be talking right, about. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, that's gonorrhea, my man. Yeah, yeah. That's on STD day. That's crazy. Oh, man. <laughs> well, uh, recently, I mean, you sent me a link to this the other day. Um, you did an interview with, um, I think it was called The Back Pew. Right. And you talked about mm-hmm. kind of... Your evolution in your journey of of abstinence. You want to talk a little bit about that? Right. I mean, pretty interesting. We're just going to drop it right now. We're just going to drop it right now. Uh, I ain't a virgin no more, y'all. Oh, <laughs> there it is. Bam. Done. <laughs> Everyone's giving high fives. Did they do a cover for that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not a virgin yeah. Not a virgin. Yeah. Had sex. <laughs> I did it. Totally awesome. Your right. smile was just bigger on the cover. <laughs> yeah, the other picture, I was a little depressed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this one I got both thumbs up. Um, well, so, I mean, I mean, uh, right, right, right. you don't have to go right, right, right. as much no, no, as yeah, you yeah. want to, but I mean, how does that affect 
I mean, because that's a big part of your teaching, right? So, well, no. Um, so yeah, early on, early on, it, it was definitely a big part of, um, you know, my stance. And this is obviously a part of who I am, being a person of faith as well. Mm-hmm. But it's something that I, I, I started to struggle with, you know, in my 30s, because it's that whole idea of like, am I ever going to get married? And this is obviously something that is a a drive, an innate drive for us as sure, human yeah. beings. Yeah. So it's different because, you know, I've never taken a sip of alcohol in my life. I've never done drugs. Um, and then, you know, this was also part of my the posture that I would take. Where yeah. like, I want to, you know, have sex in marriage. The difference is I never had this like leaning towards I need to drink alcohol. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there was no desire yeah. to want to do drugs. But with sex, it was like, this is definitely a part of me yeah, and and definitely. I would struggle with the urges and the desires and the temptations and like, what do I do with that? And so as a Christian, I could feel more and more as I was getting older, I would push the line. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. a little bit more is acceptable, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then I had a, a off and on relationship with a girl who she's definitely the first girl and only girl so far in my life that I've loved. I mean, we went off and on, off and on, but last year, um, we got back together again. And in my mind, you know, I'd wrestle with all the emotions about it. And, um, I was like, this is probably going to be the girl that I marry. Mm-hmm. And, um, I decided to, to have sex. And it was interesting because I felt this sort of like cocktail of emotions. Uh, it was a little bit of liberation from the, from the weight, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, Because there was so much pressure for me to like stand strong and, you know, have this quote unquote testimony and um, be this champion of this message. And I felt that weight kind of lifted because I didn't have to be Superman anymore. But at the same time, I also felt that emotion of like I missed the mark. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to accomplish something. I wanted to to do this. And I didn't do that either, you know, so... um, I wasn't trying to, you know, I didn't beat myself up with shame or guilt, but it was weird to experience the swirl of emotions in that way yeah. as I I didn't get to the finish line. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And I feel like, and I've talked about this before um, with friends, I feel like, um, I mean, my wife and I, we waited before we were married. I mean, that's no, that's no secret. At least, you know, we, we waited, but there's this kind of pressure, I feel like in the Christian community where it's like, Ah, dare I say it's almost fetishized a little bit yeah. where it's like it becomes such this <clears throat> this huge thing. I mean, they've got the purity rings that kind of like there's this one girl that made a documentary. I think her name's uh, Cassie J about like these weddings that basically these these women, these girls get married to their dads to say that they won't sleep with anyone until they get married. Right. And stuff. That's weird. And, it's a lot of sick stuff. Yeah, going it's on. like weird <laughs> stuff. But yeah. like, I mean, I think that it's like a godly principle, you know, to, you know, to wait till marriage or whatever. And that's kind of what what God wants. But it's almost become even just that that kind of that rule or that idea has become perverted in exactly. a way. Exactly. Yeah. You have, yeah. you have like born again virgins and things like that, <laughs> you know? And it's like sort of like, I mean, I, I understand where people are coming from with that because, you know, obviously if you want to recommit and everything like that, then that's great. But it's also like, I, I do feel like at times people do uh, overdo it and it becomes I don't know. Yeah, it it becomes a, a, a it, it's bound to backfire. I mean, know? yeah, and I think it's even a little deeper than even overdoing it. I think we we deify it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we, 
part of what has gone wrong with Christianity is we're making all the wrong things the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of those things is, you know, our sexuality. Yeah. Right. So that's everything from um, are you waiting until marriage to like the gay conversation to yeah. like, obviously, like, um, you know, even being divorced and what that means. Right. Like there's yeah. all these things that if you are that or if you if you have sex before you're married, if you get pregnant before you're married. Right. Like if you're gay, there's this stain on you. Yeah. And and for whatever reason, people treat you like you've lost the point, you know, like, or, or you don't have that healthy spirituality or you're not as pure. And that word is often thrown around, right? It's like, yeah. how are you doing with purity? Yeah. You know, how yeah. are you doing with purity? And like, that's even that word is so interesting to use where it's like, are you clean Yeah. or are you dirty? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And we would do, it was funny because we would do these um, illustrations in the class where now in retrospect, I'm like, man, it was so toxic. Like some of the stuff, like, I don't know if you guys ever heard of that rose illustration where um, basically, you know, we'd give the class a rose and then we'd tell the story of somebody who's giving themselves sexually to other people. And then it would go around the class and everybody would take a petal from the rose. And by the time I got around the class, there was like maybe three petals left. Mm-hmm. And they were like, that's what it's like when you're having sex. I feel like you know? I saw this on King of the Hill. Yeah. And it was a chocolate that went around <laughs> and it was all melted and gross right, by the time right, it got to the end. Right. And then, and then they would, then we would present like the, the full rose and be like, this is what happens when you save yourself. And then it's like, well, which one would you want to give your spouse? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just like, geez, yeah. like <laughs> that's heavy, heavy, man, to yeah. give to kids, you know, and obviously with kids that have already experimented, like, I just think in retrospect, because I always kind of had an issue with it. Yeah. Where I was like, I don't know if this is true. And especially yeah. as people of faith, like we believe in transformation. We believe that God can take that rose that is, right, yeah. that has all those petals plucked out and basically create yeah. a new rose. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And to me, it was like doing it injustice to people in the classroom, to kids in the classroom, because it was an incomplete message. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're just going to focus on how dirty and messed up you can be, yeah. but not give you the hope of God in your life, yeah, you know, yeah, and restoration yeah. and redemption. Well, th- then I feel like it, it, um, it gets into the territory too, where like you hear people like, oh, I would never be with someone that's had, you know, X amount of partners exactly. or whatever. And it's like, well, what if you, you know, met somebody that's, you know, supposed to be the person you're supposed to be with and you're like, you're basically putting them aside because you have this idea in your mind, like rather than learning to love them, or maybe that's something someplace where you have to grow and acceptance or whatever it is. I don't know. There's just, there's a lot of kind of like black and whiteness around it, which is. Well, that's the thing is, you know, once again, what does, what does that produce? Right. And us Mm -hmm. as people and a part of what it produces is judgmentalism. Yeah. Right. Cause then you, and that's a part of what I think is wrong with our world is there's a lot of like the, the, the people who are in and the people who are out, yeah. right? It's like, we're over here and then there's the other. Yeah. So it's like, even in the Christian world, it's sometimes, you know, um, categorized, obviously, as judgmental people because we have, oh, these are the righteous and these are the unrighteous, yeah. right? These are the holy and these are the sinful. Yeah. These are the people that are saved and these are the unsaved. Like, these are the godly and ungodly, right? You just have that category. And that's why people feel so bad when they meet church people or go to church because they're yeah. like, man, I I feel dirty here. <laughs> right? True, I feel yeah. like I'm wrong here, yeah. you know? And not in a way that leads us to changing or not yeah. in a way because because i felt when i first sort of interacted with god i felt like something was off in my life 
Yeah. I felt like I was missing something, but it wasn't in the way that made me feel like, you know, I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like it was just like I I knew I needed God to to be full and complete. Yeah. But it wasn't like I'm the dirtiest man in the world and God can just clean me up completely. Yeah. It was more like I had a sense of purpose once I met God and I had a clear direction. I kind of knew I kind of started to understand what mattered in life. Yeah. And those were the things that became clear. Definitely. Yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean I feel like our spiritual journey is very much that it's it's like, you know, it's it's in a way it's hard to characterize because obviously you're, it's not as um, tangible as like a physical journey, but you know, you do have, you know, people going through their lives. It's like, you know, you, you lose things, you have scars, you know, you, you, you go through things that, you know, ultimately, you know, build you up or tear you down. So it's really about, I mean, you're, you're not going to be able to erase the scars. I mean, unless you go to extreme lengths or like right. even people who like, you know, let's say you lose a limb or something, you know, it's, it, and, you know, obviously that's a very, you know, it's, it's, it's a very, uh, kind of a dark way to look at it because mm-hmm. that's not a pleasant thing to go through. But, um, but it is, it is about like, you know, making yourself whole throughout that entire But time. that's the thing is the cross is not a pleasant image, right? right. No. So yeah. it's like, if that's a, if that's part of our narrative, part of what we believe, you know, what's central is pain and suffering, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's like, we're saying that our God came to earth and suffered and went through immeasurable pain for the sake of others. Yeah. Right. But also for the sake of rebirth, for the sake of resurrection. And I think we don't understand that if we're going to become better people, if we're going to transform, if we're going to change, you cannot do it without pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that many of us miss out on because we try to manage our lives so well that we avoid anything that hurts. Yeah. 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 We avoid all the dirty. We avoid all the ugly instead of saying, hey, it is going to be a part of life. Yeah. So how are we going to show up when we go through it? Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of churches don't teach us about that. Yeah. That's what we were talking about with Brett. Yeah, actually, I was just going to say that. Yeah, the strenuous <clears throat> life. And I mean, it goes, it, I mean, his his is more about, you know, putting yourself in those physical situations where, you know, you're doing hard things and things like that. But I mean, in a way, it's, it's even harder with... Uh, you know, the spiritual side of things. Right. Definitely. I mean, I yeah. think that's, that's part of why we struggle with addiction so much Yeah, yeah. is because we don't know how to healthily deal with pain. Like that's yeah. a part of what I've learned in life is obviously, you know, and, and we're not just talking about drugs, but our, when we turn to drugs, when we turn to whatever we're addicted to is because we're trying to deal with our pain in an unhealthy way. Yeah. Like for this brief moment of time, we have medication, yeah. you know, we have something that's going to soothe us Yeah. because we're not dealing with the root yeah. Mm-hmm. We're just dealing with this makes me feel good right now. Yeah. So I'll keep doing this instead of getting to the root, healing, and then moving forward. Yeah. It's like a band-aid. Right. Yeah. Um, well, the first time that I ever saw you speak was actually at Radius, which is the church that we go to. Mm-hmm. And you um, you gave a, a, a talk during uh, the Life's Work series about... Um, being an artist and you thought that, or you said that um, basically that we're all called to be artists. So how so and why? Right. Yeah. It's one of those things that I feel like a lot of people give pushback on Yeah. because uh, you know, most people are like, oh, well, I'm definitely not an artist. I'm an accountant. You know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, I'm a lawyer, you know, I'm yeah. a doctor. And a big part of, I, I think for me, artistry is this idea of like, are you creating beauty in the world? Yeah. Are you pushing good forward? And I, obviously I believe in a creator, 
and embedded in the idea of a creator is the notion of creativity. Yeah. You know, uh, making something. And I think that's part of why I believe that all of us have that calling is because I, th- mm-hmm. I believe that we're all made in the image of God. Yeah. And if our God is a creator, then we all have creative capacity. Now that, that can mean different things for different people. A part of it is, you know, how do you problem solve? Yeah. Right. Once again, we're all going to have problems, Yeah. but your creativity determines, will you come up with a solution Yeah. or will you just let the problem be? You know, mm-hmm. um, will you create beauty out of the ugly? Because once again, the world is full of ugly. So will you then turn that into something beautiful? Yeah. You know, that that is not only just a painting, but a life. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing for me is like we can all pick up the paintbrush with our lives and create something beautiful that people can look at and that is inspiring. Yeah. And, and in your talk, you said that um, that God cares about poetry over piety, which I thought that was a. That was a really interesting take because I'd never heard that before. Um, and you want to talk about that a little right. bit? Right. I would love to hear your thoughts a little bit because I mean, obviously, I you yeah. know, I, I'll I'll break it down. But like, what did that mean to you? Because you heard that talk such a long time ago. I know it was like two years ago. Right. Um, well, to me, it's like I I guess I interpret it as like yeah. To me, I guess maybe the poetry in terms of or, or creating relationships, building relationships. That's like a a, a form of. It's not being an artist, but it is creating something. It is growing something. It is building on something. And um, relationships over people is kind of, at least in the last couple of years, that's kind of what I've learned in my journey is like, I think that there was a time when I was younger where it was easier for me to follow rules and be like, oh, this is right and this is wrong. And I know it's right because this is what it says in the Bible or whatever, Mm -hmm. Um, rather than, you know, learning to relate to people. Right. I don't know. That's kind of. Yeah. 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 I think a big part of what I've learned is um, much of the, the the Christian experience is about checks and balances. Yeah. You know, a lot of it is rooted in religion and I'm a big enemy of religion. Yeah. I try to draw the distinction between a healthy spiritual life and people who try to manipulate God through religion, you know, yeah. or the notion of God. And basically they are the center of their lives through their piety. Yeah. Right. Through how good they are and through the fact that they're going to get justified by their deeds. Yeah. And obviously, if, if you understand the gospel, you know that there's no hope in that. It's like mm. you can never be good enough. Yeah. So that's why I really believe that God cares about poetry over piety is because it's really how are you living your life? And for me, like the poet understands that they're going to take sort of the tools of life and create something that's compelling, something that's beautiful, something that's mm-hmm. inspiring to people, yeah. you know, with words, right? That's what a poet does. And I, I really believe that we can be poetic with our lives. Um, so instead of focusing on how good am I, how righteous am I, you know what I mean? Like, do I, did I go to church today? Did I read the Bible? Yeah. Right. Did I do all these things that makes me good? It's Kicking basically the boxes. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's basically saying, are you taking the, the messed up portions of your life and creating something that's meaningful. Yeah. Cause I, once again, I think that's what poets do. Um, I think that's healthy spirituality as opposed to looking. Cause I think once again, as we talked about earlier, you know, we become so condescending, so hypocritical because we just aren't in tuned with the ways that we're skewed. Yeah. You know, we aren't in tune with the ways that we definitely miss the mark. Yeah. And I think, we would liberate people if we would do 
what I think we all should do, which is just share. I'm, I'm messed up. I make yeah. plenty of mistakes. And even that's a part of why I wanted to start talking about the fact that I went from a guy who's like, you know, waiting for marriage. And then I, I messed up and then I had sex and now I'm talking about it because there's, there's a liberation in that to just honestly say, Hey, I'm a human being yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not Superman and I struggled and I wanted to figure out the right thing and I wanted to find love and I wanted to experience sex, but I'm still, I'm still allowing God to be at the center of my life. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I'm not saying now that I had sex, I get to do whatever I want. You know what I mean? I'm still wrestling with it. Yeah. Yeah. But as I share it, and it's funny because the first time I shared it over a podcast, I had this outpouring of messages from people where they were like, man, thank you. I'm going through the same thing. Oh, yeah. I was divorced, you know, like um, I struggled with it as a teen or whatever. Like so many different stories where people are like, I'm glad somebody who's in the church is talking about this because I've never heard these types of conversations. Yeah. You know, and so for me, that was I was trying to do something poetic with the pain. Yeah. Instead of just being like, oh, no, I made a mistake and now I'm clean again. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, I feel like there's two, like, you hear in some churches where there's somebody in leadership and they're they're speaking and there's this idea of never kind of talk about your faults. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you want them to, you know, you want to be a good example for them. Right. But I think a bill, the best example is being transparent and being human because if they see something that they think that, you know, that they can never attain or there's somebody like, you know, they almost end up putting that, that, uh, speaker or preacher or whatever on a pedestal. And it's exactly. like, it, it becomes, it gets weird in that. And it gets to a point of celebrity almost. Yeah. It does. And you're, you're bound to be like, we were talking about with celebrities, you know, you're bound to be disappointed. You're bound you know, to be disappointed, but also human. what it produces too is people who hide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause mm-hmm. then there is no culture of, Hey man, just let us know when you're struggling. Yeah. Like if you're not doing well, just talk about it. Yeah. But when you have our leaders who are supposed to like, you know, have it together and yeah. not be struggling with anything, then of course you can never share. And then you live a life that's secretive and you hide and then it comes out later. You know, the pastor was sleeping with this person or embezzling money or <laughs> filling the blank yeah. with all the things that we've probably heard yeah. from these leaders that are supposed to have it together. Because at the end of the day, they are they are human beings yeah. who don't get it right most of the time. You know? <laughs> yeah. So why are we fooling yeah. each other into thinking that they are supposed to always have it together? All right. Um, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about your new book what? that you, that you got, um, shameless com- plug time <laughs> inside. It will be available on Kindle and Amazon. No. <laughs> uh, it's called inside, right? Right. And what's it about? Tell us, tell our audience what it's about. So it's a leadership guide for people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world. And so the talk that I give primarily, uh, to youth is called the crazy ones. And that's the essence of it is like, I'm recruiting, young people to be crazy enough that they they can change the world, you know? Yeah. So um, for years, kids had been like asking me, are you going to write a book? Are you going to write a book? And I had never considered myself a writer. I always felt more comfortable speaking. Yeah. I feel like I do my best thinking when I'm talking. I don't know if you guys are like that too. (laughs) But I feel like something happens uh, when I sit down where I'm like, I'm stumped. And I'm like, I don't know. Where do I begin? What am I supposed to do? So I never really like flex that muscle. And um, I actually started the process where me and uh, one of my best friends, he was like, you know what? I'll just be sort of like the the stenographer, if you will, the person uh, who will like yeah. put it all together and you can talk it out loud. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So we did that first and it was crap. Like it did. <laughs> it was horrible. Like I was like, man, this is not working at all. I would look at it and I'm just like not happy with it. 
So then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to learn how to write. <laughs> so I started doing articles. I did a few articles for Verily Magazine. And then I took a, a couple swings at the chapters and I felt myself getting better as a writer. And then I started writing for the screen too. Uh, and that's part of what I do obviously over here where it's like, <clears throat> I'm just trying to create TV stuff, film and my own content because I'm a yeah. traveling speaker. It's like, I got to create content as an actor. Yeah, for sure. So it's taken me two and a half years to write this book. Because um, I never really felt like I was a writer. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn. And yeah. I've had great people around me who have, would give me notes and provide edits. Um, and I definitely wouldn't have been able to do it with some of the quality friends that I have in my life. But I just wanted to create this sort of like guide for people who do want to make a difference, but who struggle with hearing that voice. Like I, even when I was writing it, right. It's like, you're not a writer, you're a speaker. Yeah. And I feel like we all have that voice that says, well, you can't do this thing because of that. You know, yeah. it's the competing voice that's trying to pull you back and down versus the one that says, well, let's pull you up. You know, yeah. I believe in you. You do have something worthwhile in you. So follow that voice instead. Yeah. Well, and how you pursued it is kind of a good lesson unto itself. You know, like, you know, you tried kind of diving into it right away and, mm -hmm. and with limited success. Right. And then you kind of built it, you, you built the skill from, you know, from the ground up with, uh, you know, writing short pieces and then exactly. getting, yeah. to the, getting to the bigger piece. And yeah. that's, I mean, I, I feel like so many people get discouraged because they feel the pressure to, you know, do like the, the masterpiece right out exactly. of the gate. And it's like, <laughs> no, 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 you gotta. Your citizen Kane yeah, right you, out of the gate. You gotta start, you know, small and then you, and then you move. Right. You know, up and, the, and the thing there. is, there's the elements of pride and arrogance in that, right? It's yeah. like we, our inability to step into places that will create failure mm -hmm. is very prideful. You know, yeah. instead of just saying, look, we're going to look stupid for a while. If you want to be good at something, then you just got to be okay with the fact that you're going to look stupid for a while. Yeah, it's true. You know, and you're going to mess up. You're going to hit the wall over just and over. Just listen to the first three episodes. <laughs> there you podcast. go. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like you guys are diving in. You guys are diving in. You're like, hey, man, if it's bad for a while, then that's fine. Yeah. But there's going to come a point, right? I feel like all of us that are creatives and, and storytellers, like we have to just embrace the fact that failure is one of the primary ingredients to succeeding. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. that's the crazy thing mm -hmm. to me, right? It's like so many people want to succeed, but we don't want the ingredient of failure. You know, it's like if yeah. you're going to, if you're, if you have a recipe to something, right? If it's like yeah. a, a pie or like, I'm going to just talk about sweets because I'm a fat boy at heart, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> cookies, right? It's like you're not going to be like, well, I'm not going to put in the necessary ingredients to make these cookies. It's going to taste horrible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have to put in the necessary ingredients. And that's what we have to understand is like, if you're going to succeed, a necessary ingredient is failure. You cannot take it out yeah. and then succeed, you know? Uh, I mean, we look at Donald Trump, like he's still failing and I don't know if he's ever succeeded. And that brings us to the political right. section. There we go. There we go. There we <laughs> go. Yes. We but uh, I will say I, I read the preview of it and it's, it's really great. I love that it's in your voice. Like what's Thanks. fun is like reading it. I, you know, and, and I'm lucky to have to, to know you, to be able to read it in your voice. And I hear you like talking i hope right. you do an audio book i appreciate book. that oh i appreciate yeah i'm Will actually you? that i've 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 thought about it i don't know but you i know? guess maybe i should well if you yeah because they'll i mean you're i don't know who's publishing it but they'll probably end up putting it on an audiobook mm -hmm. and if they do 
ask them if you could read it. Because okay. That'd be great. What if we just had him on the podcast? And just just had I just do the whole thing. Just had a, like, I just a read every podcast where he just reads the entire thing. And you guys are sleeping. Yeah. Just, we could have snacks. We could have your wife be the snack lady yeah. that comes in. Snack time. <laughs> That's in the audio book. Yeah. I'm chewing as I'm talking. Yeah. That would be great. You hear, you hear the pizza man right. come to the door. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How much um, for the tip? Right. And that's the thing is, I, I, as a writer, that's part of what I wanted to preserve is, is my voice, you yeah, know, for sure. And that's why I said, like, when I was speaking it out and I had this, like, you know, my friend who's uh, the stenographer, like, it was just missing. Like, it wasn't fully me because I think he was partially trying to, like, interpret and organize it in a certain way. And I was like, no, I got to maintain who I am and my voice. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad that that shows in what you read so far. Definitely. And I, what really struck me, too, uh, I don't know if it was what chapter. It was probably the opening cha- chapter where you're talking about um, being in school in Chicago and uh, the sister Betty. Yeah. Described, good old sister Betty, the, yep. the description of her is just hilarious, like reading about her. Like I feel like <laughs> I could picture her. Yeah. But um, it's built like I mean, a linebacker. Talk about that, because I feel like that's, I mean, a huge catalyst to, I mean, why you are who you are. Right. Days. Yeah. Talk about which which what component. She, what she what she said to your your class. Yeah. There and you know there's two primary stories that I share when I go talk to kids and that really have shaped me. But um, when I was in eighth grade, good old sister Betty Smigla, um, she was a, a Polish nun, obviously in a in a Latino uh, neighborhood. So I grew up in a Puerto Rican area in Chicago, and you know it's all little Latino kids. She comes in one day, and now here's the thing: like we were we were super afraid of her because she was a very intimidating character who had that deep voice for a woman, you know, <laughs> before the days that women, I guess, would shift and change from, like, she was definitely a woman, but. <laughs> she was ahead of the curve. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, she would just walk through the house like, what are you looking at? And we're just like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with this woman? She would like bump into us in the hallways, you know, be like, man, why are you trying to intimidate me? <laughs> um, but, you know, it was the last week of school in eighth grade, and we're all sort of anticipating the next phase of life, which is high school. And many of us, we were afraid, you know what I mean? Like we're inner city kids who were doubting our ability to succeed in high school. So she comes in and she starts to talk to us and she says, you know, I want to let you know that uh, most of you in here um, would probably be in a gang before you turn 18. And then she looks at, you know, the rest of us and some of the young ladies. And she's like, uh, some of you young ladies in here will get pregnant and drop out of high school before you're 18. And some of you guys are, are going to be in jail before you're 18. And she looks at, you know, us and says, and some of you will be shot and killed in this neighborhood and you won't make it out. And I remember just looking at, you know, the people next to me. I was like, okay, but when's the good part come? You know, they're like, <laughs> is there like a better ending? To, you know, it's like, you know, that thing of like, but, yeah. you know, like the reverse psychology, like, but <laughs> you guys will change it all. Um, and it just never came. Oh, like wow. she, she sort of delivered this doom and gloom message to all of us. And um, it stuck with me because I was like, why, why do you want to be a person who is in the lives of young people? If that's what you're going to tell us, you know? Yeah. And I think it goes back to the poetry over piety, right? Because yeah. for me, it's like she could have she could have created a, a poem in that moment, right? Yeah, she could have she could have picked up her paintbrush and and helped us envision a future that none of us could really see at that age. Because what we 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 didn't need as inner city kids is we didn't need more of uh, reality. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we didn't need more people coming into our life saying, hey, you guys lived in a jacked up world. Mm-hmm. Right. This is the hood. In case you didn't know, bad mm-hmm. things happen here. We knew that. We needed somebody to to basically sit us down and say, it's jacked up here, but there's hope. Yeah. There's there's beauty out there. And you guys can be a part of creating that. Like you guys are that hope. Um, so that's part of why I wanted to tell my own story and why I feel like God has given me a voice because I get to speak from that place to be like, here's here's how I grew up, here's what the people told me, yeah. but I'm gonna shift that. And yeah. I'm gonna inspire you to understand that you may come from a painful background, a messed up environment, jacked up family, but you can switch things. You can you can change the world really. Yeah. Amen, brother. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> go Fifi. <laughs> um, one thing that um, you talked about too in your book is you talked about, especially with like the in the recent months in this kind of current climate. And we we try not to get political on this show too much, but it's you, a, it's unavoidable right it's now. It's unavoidable <laughs> right now. You, but, you, everything, even not being political, is political. Yeah, I know. <laughs> even <laughs> silence. These are the times. Yes, yeah, right. But you talked about how people today don't know how to disagree. Right. And there's, and like how that ties into like social media and the problem of like public discourse these days. Right. It's just like, it's insane. Like, it's bananas. <laughs> it is bananas. All we do is we tune in to the station that validates and affirms what we believe in. We, we, we talk to the people that we know who are going to agree with us. And then when we're across the table from somebody who has a different vantage point, we slam them. Yeah. Right. We we walk away from them like we just cannot sit at the table and say, you know what? I want to understand what you're saying. I want to understand why you believe what you believe in. And also what would be beautiful is if people sat down and said, I'm open to having my mind changed. Yeah. I'm yeah. hoping to like I can walk away from this conversation a different person. And for whatever reason, like we cannot do that because we just don't know how to healthily disagree and we don't know how to be open to being persuaded. You know, do you think that like social media, the fact that it's so disconnected from face to face interaction has made things worse that way? It seems like because at least back in the day, if you'd have a uh, a discussion with somebody you disagreed with, it wouldn't get that heated. You at least would go back and forth and get to like right. it's it's now it's like somebody will just and I, I I'll be honest, I used to right. do this. I right. used to do this, and I, I've changed in my journey the last you know year. I've I just I just don't get. I don't post politics online anymore because I just feel like, well, there's no way that I can actually, you know, talk to somebody and, and discuss what I mean by this. It's just a one sided conversation. Social media is like the worst place to do it. It is. It definitely (laughs) is. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's not, well, cause I mean, have you ever had a conflict with somebody and, and you do it over text? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's easier to get heated up and crazy and say things right. Like over text. But when, when the person is here, there is this, there's a different level, I think, of respect for the person and you're a little bit more sensitive because you can see their emotions, you mm-hmm. can see their mm-hmm. face and you can also see the human in front of you. Yeah. So you're not as likely, you know, to take out the, the knife and just yeah. put it into their chest. I, I think, he, I think <laughs> you know? he and Peel did a sketch about that where right. it's like two guys like trying to make dinner plans and, oh, right, like, right. Each yeah. one and the like misunderstanding. Right. Yeah. It's the most basic stuff and they're both yeah. like cooking. So they start like picking up knives and like, you know, like right. they're ready to go at it. But um, but yeah, no, it's it's true. I think I think uh, I think a big part of it is also insecurity. You mm-hmm. know, like people, and I think that's a consistent throughout most of you know uh, human history. 
But, um, you know, you don't want to be challenged. It puts you in an uncomfortable place. But especially nowadays, it's like there's so much out there that's that you have to worry about, you know, so right, much information yeah. that you're like, well, I, I can't take it all in. So <laughs> I, I'm i not going to have this conversation, yeah. you know, like sort of thing. But you, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the way to have, you know, to uh, to solve problems with with, you know, people who are rational um, and and I guess you have to get there with yourself being rational first and foremost is to, to really try to understand. Right. And then it doesn't mean you have to be a pushover. Right. That's different. If you know, it's, if you know, it's not right, then, you know, say, okay, well that's not right because of a B and C and then ask, you know, I I think the biggest thing is asking questions, you know, more, more than lecturing because so much, you know, I find myself falling into this spot. You just, start to lecture people about what, why you think they're wrong. Mm-hmm. And you kind of try to edge them out of the, of the ring. Right. When in reality you should be engaging them, you know, yeah. it's like a different sort of fighting. You know, right. you think of like, you know, fighting that, that you actually have to engage the person to actually, you know, yeah. uh, make them submit or whatever. Well, even, yeah. Even with that, it's like, I think the metaphor consistently for those types of conversations is fighting yeah. as yeah. opposed to like, what if it's dancing? Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what if it's a dance? Because obviously with a dance, you know, there is an art form to it, but also it's, it, there's a connection there. Mm-hmm. We're not mm-hmm. enemies when you're dancing. Yeah. You're actually trying to create something beautiful together, even though you're two separate individuals. Well, yeah, you know? there's like a chemistry of improv right. involved in a lot of dancing. Right. You know? Like, you, you're not expecting what the other person's going to Exactly. you got to roll with it. And you got to gotta feel work, them and move. Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing is, if what if we sort of embarked on every conversation like that, where it's like, okay... We may have different styles of dance, mm-hmm. right? You may specialize in tango, and I specialize in break dancing. <laughs> now that's going to make I for sense, see right? That. Gonna, that's that gonna, should be a TV show. That's going to be something that's super interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're dedicated to the dance, like you're going to make it work, and you're going to figure each other out, and yeah. right, you're gonna you're gonna walk away from that better. Sure. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And and that's the thing that I have struggled with so much because I, I just. You know, and like I said, I've fallen victim to it too, where I love to debate. But what I've learned is like, it's just not worth being right all the time, right? It's just not, you just go into it. It's like, I want to be right. I want to like eviscerate this person with mm-hmm. my logic and yeah. I'm going to make them look bad. Like, what's the point of that? It, yeah. it doesn't create a beautiful world. Yeah. It, it just separates us more. So learning how to step into a conversation and honestly be curious. Yeah. Being open to having your mind change, you well, know? Well, you talked about, too, in your book, like, there's so much, so many people that are like, if you voted for this person, unfriend yeah. me. Right, or if yeah. you voted this way, unfriend me. And it's like, I you, I mean, I used to be pretty extreme in certain views, and I have and I've, I feel like nowadays I'm, I'm kind of center, I'm a moderate. But mm-hmm. um, I've, as extreme or as, you know, far as I was before, I've never had a friend where that's disagreed with me where I go, I don't want to talk to you again. Yo. Right. And that's, right. I, I feel like that's like a modern phenomenon. That's, it, well, I don't know. And the thing is, I don't know, obviously yeah, we haven't been around for too long, yeah. but like, I don't know. <laughs> the thing is, I mean, maybe back in the day, they're like, you know, if you don't believe in what I believe, I'm going to shove a sword down your throat. Like, I don't know. <laughs> now it's like unfriendly, maybe the lighter version, you yeah, know, maybe, but I think the thing that, I mean, cause I've heard so many stories. I have a friend of mine who her and her roommate got into an argument because one voted for Trump, the other one voted for Hillary. And they literally moved out. Like, they stopped living <laughs> wow. with each other. Oh, my god! And I think to me, like, that is the metaphor that I think is prevalent right now in our country. Yeah. Is we're so divided, we cannot live together. Yeah. 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 
You know what I mean? For and sure. that's what breaks my heart yeah. is that I wish even in the midst of you voted for this person, you voted for that person, we would still be able to sit at the same table and just hear each other out. Cause like I said, as a guy, like I didn't, I didn't vote for either. And I'll put that out there. Um, you know, some people voted hate on me. Gary Johnson. Yeah, exactly. Gary Johnson. <laughs> actually, I actually voted for a woman named Gloria Velez, but that's another story. <laughs> but you know, and I think once again, even when I communicate that people are like, what, what's wrong with you? You know? Yeah. But when I, when I have conversations with people about politics and about like, who'd you vote for it? And even for me, like I said, when somebody's like, I voted for Trump, there is this part of me that wants to like rise up and be like, how, how could you yeah. like how, you know, but then once again, I have to put myself in check yeah. and say, there's probably a very human reason why yeah. this person voted for Trump. And some of my Christian friends and, you know, they will say, you know, it's just because of my values and it's not about him. It's because, you know, the Republican yeah. party, you know, stands for some of my values, which I yeah. don't agree with that either, but yeah. I can understand that human reason where it's yeah. not about supporting mm -hmm. this guy who I think is very hard to stand behind. Yeah. And I wish uh, more folks would just admit that, Yeah, you know, so. Well, I feel like it, it, my background too, being definitely more conservative leanings, like even like the Trump thing, like has never been something I've ever really related to. And right. I've been like open about that, but I do feel like, there's this kind of idea in the media where they've painted, like you're talking about everybody who voted for Trump with this brush. Exactly. And I just, I just don't feel like that's the case at all. And I, and I don't feel, I feel the same thing about people that voted for Hillary. People on the other side are like, Oh, these are, you know, they're demons. They're whatever. <laughs> whatever. Right. And I don't like, and, and I know people that have voted for both. And it's like, I don't feel that way about people. Exactly. But I don't know. Well, I think, and once again, like that's, that's the, sort of adversarial way of approaching the world, right? It's yeah. us against them. So you have to create a villain on the other side. You have to yeah. demonize people because it makes you feel better about yourself, but it also makes it easier to fight. Right. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. And Definitely. without that, right? If you say, oh, the person on the other end is a friend, they're an ally. I'm dancing yeah. with them. Yeah. It's harder to fight with them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I think like what you're talking about too is, is almost like a, it's almost like an emotional maturity because it's almost it's almost lazy and easier to put people in categories it's, and go, it's, I understand this. This person voted this way. Right. I understand that they're here in this box. Exactly. Or they're here in this box. Exactly. And being able to actually do the work to, you know, to understand and communicate with them is But I think that's it, right? Where it's like, look, I'm Puerto Rican and Persian. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people can't understand that, right? Because it's like, what the hell are you? You know what I mean? Like, you can't fit into a category. Yeah. But I think that's what the world is more and more. It's, yeah. it's you cannot put these ideas, things, people into a box. And mm -hmm. so because we we function so dualistically, yeah. once that happens, we don't know what to do with ourselves, yeah. right? We're like all out of whack because they're like, oh, wait a minute. So your ethnicity is two different things. But like, well, what's your nationality? Or like, what, what can we revert to? <laughs> yeah. but I'm American. So, right, I'm American, <laughs> right? But then, so that's why so much of the conversation is like gay, straight, black, yeah. white, right? Christian, Muslim, Democrat, Republican. Yeah. As opposed to, man, it's so much, like there's... It's complicated yeah. mm -hmm. and you can't just break everything down to two categories. Yeah. That dualism has to go because there's, there's way more to it than just these two things that are standing on the opposite end of each other, you know? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, but I'm not opinionated. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. And it's funny, like you, you say that, like when I first saw you speak, 
and I, I'm what I'm what I'm trying to say is that I feel like you live this this idea that you're talking about because when the first time I saw you, I would have thought that you were somebody that like you had a you spoke great, had a great message, but I thought, oh, that person is too cool for me to be a friend with. Mm. Like they wouldn't want to hang out with this straight laced, you know, uh, nerdy white guy. Mm. And you, I like you have friends all over the spectrum. Right, yeah. And so you really do. Like I see you like hanging out with people and talking to people of different backgrounds and stuff. So I, I don't know. That's just a compliment to you. That oh man, I that means a lot like to me. I appreciate. <laughs> no, it does. It really does. I appreciate because that is something that, like I said, like I've 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 always tried to pride myself in that. It's like mm. I don't want to be too cool or you know the person that only has a select portion of friends because it, it, it's one of those things that it's, it's just ugly. Yeah. And especially living in L.A. where yeah. that's kind of the culture mm. here. Yeah. It's like the cool kids and then the people who are outside. It's like I've just never wanted to be like that. Yeah. Um, I just I want to live a real life, and yeah. in a real life, you have people that are vastly different than you. Yeah. You know, and, and I think it's my my fight to make sure that I'm not a narcissist too, because I think the more narcissistic you are, the more you want everybody around you to look like you yep. and to sound yep. like you and to be like you. Yeah. And so it's my deliberate battle against living that type of life where I'm like, I'm going to make sure that I'm just always connected to people that are different and that are helping me understand a different portion of life, you know? Yeah. All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on. For I sure, really my appreciate pleasure. it. I think this has been a lot of fun. It's been serious and it's been fun. Which right. is it's the first, a, you know, yeah. serious yeah. podcast we've yeah. done. Yeah. Good. This, this is great. great. I, I I really enjoyed this. I thought the the changes in mood were were conducive to. We everything. went on a roller coaster ride, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's been a roller coaster of emotions. Right. I'm gonna go cry and laugh at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, thanks, man. This part of the show is brought to you by Phoenix Shaving, makers of the most excellent aftershaves, shaving soaps, and all things traditional man. One of my favorite products of theirs are their aftershaves. Phoenix Shaving intentionally blurs the lines between traditional aftershave and classic cologne. Each batch of aftershave cologne is created by using traditional perfuming methods, giving the wearer a high dose of quality skin food matched by the staying power of berry white. Now, I tell you, this stuff is amazing. It'll it'll make your skin feel great after a shave, and the alum and menthol just removes all irritation and razor bumps. Um, they have classic barber scents and even more creative soap and aftershave fragrances. Like, my favorite is the Tombstone scent. It smells like leather, tobacco, and gunpowder. Pretty unique. So ditch those vials of chemicals you buy at the drugstore every month and grab some artisan soap and aftershaves from Phoenix Shaving. Go to GentlemanScofflaw.com slash shave to help support the show and get some fantastic manly grooming products. Phoenix Shaving. Shaving outside the box. Coming to a close here with the show, we th- that was a good, good little interview again with Johan, our good friend Johan. That yeah, was great. Yes, Johan. it was. Johan Kalanian. Um Well, now it's time to announce the giveaway. The, the the weekly giveaway from Phoenix Shaving. We're giving away the CAD aftershave and cologne. So let's get a drum roll here. And the winner is Pittsburgh Wet Shaver 007. Do you think do you think it's the it's the real 007? 
I, do you think? Do you think it's James Bond from no. Pittsburgh? I, I don't know. <laughs> from a treehouse? <laughs> <I mean>, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, so Pittsburgh wet shaver double oh seven. Keep an eye out uh, from a direct message from us, so we can get your uh, name and mailing address. Also, uh, this week we've got another giveaway on uh, Instagram, so you can go on Instagram uh, slash gentscofflaw and Instagram.com slash gentscofflaw. And this week we're giving away another Phoenix shaving cologne and aftershave. Ooh. And this week it is called Kiritamati uh, is the, I don't I think I'm saying that. It's Kiritamati. Yeah, that looks about right. What's and the origin of that? It's oak barrel aged, it says mm. on the bottle. It's, it's, it's And it's it smells like frankincense, myrrh, and West Indian Bay. Mm. So Sounds like a like, Christmas uh, It is. Christmas it's kind of like a Christmas uh, Middle Eastern kind of uh, theme, which is, I guess it's Middle Eastern, right? No, that's not Middle know. Eastern. Stop profiling the <laughs> Well, like when I think of Bay, is it Bay Rum? Is Bay Rum? Is that's not? No, that would be like Bahamas, right? Well, what, I mean, what's that would Indian be like, Bay? That would be like then? Caribbean. Anyway. Oh well, but but think about like the West Indies. I think it'd be like Indian Bay. Maybe I I'm not sure. Maybe but. I don't know. But uh, the stuff smells good. So if you want to win that, go to our Instagram and uh, find out how to win. How to enter. And if you're a fan of the Gentleman's Golf Law podcast, consider uh, supporting the show on Patreon. You can support the show for as little as a dollar an episode. And we have some perks on there. We've got some live hangouts, some uh, so an extra movie review podcast that we're about to launch. And uh, everyone who joins, no matter what tier, they get a free Gentleman's Golf Law sticker. So um, if you... If you want to, and if you don't want to support that way, we also have the Gentleman Scofflaw shop on our website, gentlemanscofflaw.com. You can go there and uh, click the shop link, and we've got T-shirts, we've got pint glasses, we got flasks, we got coffee mugs, we got little punk rock pins, we have and uh, stickers. Oh man, we should get balloons. That'd be great. I like balloons. Do you think so you could pop them in people's faces. Do you think you can get a wood uh, a balloon that has like a wood grain on it? Would that no. be kind of cool? No. no? All no. right. <laughs> Shut down. <laughs> everything we no, talk. not possible. Don't follow your dreams. <laughs> and everything we talk about on this podcast can be found in the show notes on our website. All right. Uh, John, you are a gentleman and a scofflaw, my friend. You too. Donovan, you are a gentleman and a scofflaw, my friend. Jordan, you're a gentleman and a scofflaw. John, you're a scofflaw and a gentleman. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Good guys. Good night and good luck. All right. You guys have a great week. This has been the Gentleman Scofflaw Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Visit us on the interwebs at gentlemanscofflaw.com. Captain says, his ice on the river, we ain't getting home if we don't break through. So damn cold, I can't help but shiver. Rise and shine, we got work to do. Hey!